but here's a practice problem where you need to justify each of the limits by citing the appropriate theorem that we just spent all that time going through. So we have the limit as x goes to 3 of 4x is the first one. Then we have the limit as x goes to 3 of x squared minus 2. Then the limit as x goes to 3 of 4x times x squared minus 2. And then the limit as x goes to 3 of x plus 5. And then finally, the limit as x goes to 3 of all of them put together, 4x times x squared minus 2 all over x plus 5. So evaluate each of these limits and justify the limit by citing the theorem. So for example, in A, we have the limit as x goes to 3 of 4x. And so you can say that's the same as 4 times the limit as x goes to 3 of x, which is the same as 4 times, and then this is the limit of x. So this first line, you can cite theorem, which one? Putting the constant in front. That's theorem 2. The limit of k times f of x is the same as k times the limit of f of x. And then 4 times the limit as x goes to 3 of x is just 3. So that's justified by, oops, I'm off by 1. This one, the limit of x, that's theorem 2. The limit of kx, k times f of x, is theorem 3. Because we started constant, then x, and then k times f of x. So theorem 3 comes from the k times f of x uh, notion. And then theorem 2 has the x limit of x. So you would say, OK, theorem 3 here and theorem three, 2 there. Hopefully you can put this together better than I just did. On example B, justify this using probably at least two theorems. One that justifies the x squared, and then one that justifies the minus 2, and maybe another one that justifies the 2 on its own. So maybe you'll have even three of them in this one. So try these, B, C, D, and E, and then we'll come back and do them together. Okay. Coming back, we've got theorem 3 and theorem 2 justify part A. Part B, the first thing you might want to do is break this up into two limits. Now at this point you might be wondering why I'm so insane because I'm doing all this extra work when we've already done direct substitution. Now remember that I said that direct substitution and the idea of a nice function will be justified by these theorems. So what we're doing is we're using the theorems to justify why we can just say, oh, this is a nice polynomial, so I can just use direct substitution. So the first thing we can say is that the limit of the difference is equal to the difference of the two limits. And which theorem was that? So we have one, two, three, I believe that would be theorem four. I can shorten theorem THM. So that's theorem four. And then the next thing is to evaluate the limit of x squared. And remember, if we have the limit of a power, something to a power, that's the same as taking the power of the entire limit. So I can write it that way. The limit of x as x approaches 3 squared. Then I still have minus limit as x goes to 3 of 2. I haven't done anything with this yet. But which theorem justifies this step? 
That was our last one, wasn't it? That was theorem 7. So our last theorem, theorem 7, justifies that one. Now we can say, okay, what's the limit as x goes to 3 of x? That's theorem 2, right? The limit as x goes to 3 of x is just 3 back again, and we can square it. And then we have minus, and I'll write right now theorem 2. And then finally, the limit as x goes to 3 of a constant is just the constant back again. That's the very first theorem, theorem 1. So our limit is 9 minus 2, or 7. So we actually use 1, 2, 3, 4 theorems to justify this. And in the future, on a test, please don't do it this way. On a test, on a final, on your homework even, unless you're asked to justify it this way, all you need to do is recognize this is a power of x and minus 2. It's a nice function. I can just plug in 3 and get 3 squared minus 2 is 9 minus 2, or 7. Okay. Moving on to C. The limit as x goes to 3 of 4x times x squared minus 2. Well, we can save ourselves some work. We've already found the limit as x goes to 3 of 4x, and we found the limit as x goes to 3 of x squared minus 2. So I just need to use one more theorem to break this up. So remember, the limit of a product of two functions, f of x times g of x, is the same as the product of the limits. So I have the limit as x goes to 3 of 4x times the limit as x goes to 3 of x squared minus 2. So these two limits are the same. The limit of the product is equal to the product of the limits. And we've already found the limit as x goes to 3 of 4x. That was 12. And times the limit as x goes to 3 of x squared minus 2 was 7. So we have 12, minus, 12 times 7, so 7 times 2 is 14, and we have 84. So 12 times 7 is 84. That's our limit of 4x times x squared minus 2. Which theorem did we use? Just one. We used the theorem that says the limit of the product is equal to the product of the limits, and that would be theorem 5. Okay, so which ones haven't we used? We just haven't used theorem 6 yet, so you can take a guess as what's coming up. Um, but before then, we have one little part left before we get to the final limit. The limit is x goes to 3 of x plus 5. It's a very simple one, and the reason we have it at all is because it shows up in our denominator. But technically, we have a few theorems we need to use to, to actually evaluate this. To justify why direct substitution would work, we can say this is the limit as x goes to 3 of x plus the limit as x goes to 3 of 5. Which theorem is that? The limit of a sum is the sum of the limits. That was theorem 4. And then we can say the limit as x goes to 3 of x is 3, and that was theorem 2. Plus, the limit as x goes to 3 of a constant is just the constant back again. That was theorem 1. So we have 3 plus 5 is 8. The same thing we get if we use direct substitution, 3 plus 5. So we have now the theorem, we have the limit as x goes to 3 of x plus 5 is 8. So finally, 
we can look at the, the last one. Limit is x goes to 3 of 4x times x squared minus 2 all over x plus 5. We already know the limit of the numerator is 84, and we know the limit of the denominator is 8. So can't we take the limit of a quotient and write it as the quotient of the limit? So I can write this as the limit of the numerator over the limit as x goes to 3 of the denominator. And the limit of the numerator we've already found to be, oh, I should write theorem. Which theorem says the limit of a quotient is equal to the quotient of the limits? That's theorem 6. And so I have theorem 6 tells me the numerator's limit was 84 over the denominator's limit was 8. Notice the limit in the denominator is not 0, otherwise I wouldn't be able to do this. So we have 84 over 8, which does not, I don't believe 8 goes in there exactly. I know it doesn't, but I can reduce it. I can divide each of these by 4. So 4 goes into 8 twice, and it goes into itself once over 2. So 21 halves, which is 10 and a half if you like, but we normally write our answers as improper fractions in calculus even. So we don't usually use decimals, 10.5 is not so great, 10 and a half, not even so great. We normally just reduce it down and leave it as 21 over 2. That's our, our uh, final limit using all the theorems in the book. There's another example in the book that you can look through on your own. It does basically this exact same thing with different expressions and different numbers. So if you want more practice, feel free to look in the book. Okay. I mentioned earlier that polynomials are nice functions, and one of the reasons why they're nice is because they can be broken up like this. If you have something like f of x equals x squared plus 4x minus 2. I took some terms from this previous example. I took the x squared from here, I took the 4x from the beginning, and I took the minus 2 also from here. And you can see that if you wanted to take the limit as x approaches any value, um, because this has domain all real numbers and because this is a nice function, you could do that just by doing direct substitution. So when we talk about nice functions, we're talking about functions that we can, we can take their limits and we can break them up into smaller pieces and then justify using theorems 1 through 7, we can justify direct substitution. Now, practically speaking, you don't have to worry about it quite this technically. Practically speaking, when you need to evaluate a limit, if it's any kind of polynomial, direct substitution will work. If it's a rational function, one that has a denominator, then you might have some problems if when you try to plug in the value that x is approaching, for example, 3 here, if you try to plug it in and you get 0 on the bottom, then you have to investigate further. Uh, this particular example was fine because you don't get 0 on the bottom, you get 8, and so it would be all right. So um, usually a good rule of thumb, when you're looking at a function up to the rational functions, you can try direct substitution. If it works, as in this example, then great, you have your answer. If it doesn't work, as in the example x squared minus 9 over x minus 3, the limit as x approaches 3, when it doesn't work by using direct substitution, then you need to investigate further. 
if direct substitution gave you 0 over 0, then there's a good chance that you can rewrite this rational function and get it in a form that you can evaluate the limit using direct substitution. We did it with this problem by factoring. Now, don't assume that if you can factor, you're always going to be able to get rid of this dividing by 0 problem. It depends on the function. But it's always worth trying direct substitution first and then reinvestigating after that. Now with the radical functions, they should write the limit for you so that it's defined. And so with just a square root or a cube root or an e any even root, for example, they shouldn't write the limit in such a way where the direct substitution won't work. It doesn't hurt to be watching, but usually that won't be a problem. So the thing that you really want to be careful about